0: Discerninghearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents The Discernment of Spirits Setting the Captives Free with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher was ordained in 1979 as a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He obtained his doctorate from the Gregorian University, and he has dedicated many years to an extensive ministry of retreats, spiritual direction, and teaching about the spiritual life. Father Gallagher is the author of seven books published by the Crossroad Publishing Company on the spiritual teaching of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the life of Venerable Bruno Lantieri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. Father Gallagher is featured on the EWTN series, Living the Discerning Life, the Spiritual Teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola. The Discernment of Spirits, Setting the Captives Free, with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor.
1: The fourth rule is of spiritual desolation. I call desolation all the contrary of the third rule, such as darkness of soul, disturbance in it, movement to low and earthly things, disquiet from various agitations and temptations, moving to lack of confidence, without hope, without love, finding oneself totally slothful, tepid, sad, and as if separated from one's Creator and Lord. For just as consolation is contrary to desolation, In the same way, the thoughts that come from consolation are contrary to the thoughts that come from desolation.
0: Welcome back, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. We are entering into the most challenging areas of the Discernment of Spirits and Ignatian Guide for Everyday Living based on the the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola, aren't we?
2: Yes, we're going to begin now with the fourth of the rules. Last time we looked at the third rule, which is about spiritual consolation. And that law of contrarity that works throughout discernment of spirits tells us that there's going to be a counterpart. If there is a warm and happy time in the spiritual life when we feel God's closeness, there is also going to be there are also going to be times when we don't feel that, when we things get heavier, get darker, get more confused. And actually this is Ignatius' main point in these rules is to help us understand those times so that, as we've said before, not only are we not harmed by them, but we actually grow through them. Now, this is what he's going to call spiritual desolation. And the reason why I say, even as you say, Chris, you're right, this is not a pleasant topic. But few things that Ignatius does are more valuable than this discussion of spiritual desolation and how to respond to it, because I think it's true to say, after many years of working with this and with people, that for most of us, for most of the way on the spiritual journey, the main obstacle is spiritual desolation. When we get discouraged and disheartened, that's when we can tend to let prayer go, pull back in our involvement in the church or in trying to reach out and love in our respective vocations. And so a teaching which helps us, you know, as you said, the big three, be aware of, be able to name, understand, and then know how to take action to reject spiritual desolation, I think it's true to say is about as valuable a service as Ignatius ever renders for us. So we've heard the text of the rule. Let's let's do the same thing we've done other times. Let's let's begin with an example, and then we'll move from the example to the text of the rule. All right. This is Alice, and I'll read her experience. Alice, uh, Alice is a person who has been uh, loves the Lord, growing in her service of the Lord. Has been involved in her parish for years. Loves it. Finds joy in the Lord in her service, and recently has moved to a new town and tried to get involved in the new parish, but found it much harder this time. And after a year, for a number of reasons, but after a year of making this effort, Alice is beginning to feel kind of discouraged and disheartened. And so we read, Alice sees herself as a pretty complete failure and feels altogether discouraged. Very reverently, may I ask, have we ever felt that in our spiritual lives? Every Mm -hmm. one of us has. Sure has. Recently, even in her own personal prayer... She has experienced feelings of emptiness, of being abandoned by God. She feels that God is no longer near and she becomes overwhelmed with frustration. She wonders if she isn't altogether losing her faith in God's loving care. She does continue to be faithful to community worship and to her personal times for prayer, but it all seems hopeless and meaningless. These are the kinds of experiences that Ignatius is describing. When Alice is faithful, she continues to pray, but she doesn't feel God's closeness anymore. She even feels as though God is distant uh, from her in some way. And she continues faithfully, but there's a kind of a hopelessness and an emptiness in it. The joy is gone, and there's a darkness now. So that's what Ignatius is getting at. Now, let's look again at the text of the rule. As with the third rule, he begins with a brief introductory sentence. The fourth is of spiritual desolation. Let's look at those two words. If consolation means an upward movement of the heart, joy, peace, hope, desolation simply means a heavy movement of the heart, discouragement, sadness, hopelessness, anxiety. So the desolation means a heavy movement of the heart, but Ignatius is speaking of spiritual desolation. So what he has in mind is heaviness of heart in our relationship with God, in our life of faith, in our spiritual life. And so you see Alice, for example, as she tries to pray, she doesn't feel God's closeness anymore. Clearly, we're on the spiritual level. This is a heaviness of heart, but very much on the level of her relationship with God. So that's what Ignatius has in mind. And again, as with consolation, if there is spiritual desolation, there is also non-spiritual desolation. Probably the most common word for non-spiritual desolation would be depression. Yeah. When we speak of that, just on the emotional level, the natural human experience, the psychological level of feeling a kind of heaviness of heart, which we would call depression. Many other words, you know, sadness and so on. I suppose also we could speak of a kind of physically-based non-spiritual desolation. If I stay up too late, night after night after night, pushing my energies too hard and not getting enough sleep, eventually a physically-based heaviness is going to come into my life and my energy for life is going to be depleted. So there we'd speak of a kind of physically-based non-spiritual desolation, or more simply tiredness, I Mm -hmm. suppose. Um, Or emotionally-based, which would be kind of depression. Let's say if something relationally is difficult in my life now and there's a heaviness. Now, even though Ignatius is speaking about spiritual desolation and not non-spiritual desolation, that doesn't mean that non-spiritual desolation is not important with regard to our relationship with God in our spiritual life. Because I think just a very little sh- thought shows us that there is a very small step between I'm always feeling worn out, I'm always feeling tired physically, or i I'm always feeling somewhat depressed, kind of heaviness of heart. It's a very small step from that to, I don't feel like praying. Why do I try to serve the Lord in this vocation or in this involvement in the parish? How long can I continue with these new efforts to live the gospel and so on? Now, a certain amount of non-spiritual desolation is normal in life. The mother who stays up with a child who is ill several nights in a row obviously is going to Is going to be somewhat tired. Hopefully, she'll have a chance to recuperate her energies. But a certain amount of non spiritual desolation in any vocation is simply normal. It's part of the human experience. But what we're talking about here is when there is too much of it and too consistent and too heavy. If that is the case, then not only for the sake of being good stewards of the humanity that God has given us, but for the sake of our spiritual lives, we need to do something about that. Many spiritual problems resolve when we pay wise attention to the non-spiritual level of our human our humanity. One very simple way to say this is, would be the following. You know that experience when you want to pray, and you do pray faithfully, but on a given day it comes to the time of prayer, and everything in you just says, I can't pray today. I can't do it. I can't do it. You know what solves that for me many times? Exercise. <laughs> Go out, just get a good walk-in or some healthy exercise, my energies are better, and then the desire that I always had to pray now is felt there again. The problem there was not a spiritual problem, really. It was that I hadn't paid attention to a non-spiritual need. So let's just make that point before we go any further, that it is wise, for the sake of our spiritual lives, to attend to... Experiences of too much non-spiritual desolation in our lives.
0: Is this one of the cases where we're, we're kind of dancing close to a Benedictine understanding of balance? That it's important that there is balance in our lives so that we can be completely open to the movement that God has for our, our hearts. I mean, so to make sure you have enough rest, that you that you're not taxing uh, yourself physically, or even in some areas of motion, not to make dec- decisions if you're involved in too many anxious things at the, at a particular time in your life.
2: Absolutely, yeah, balance or is the old teaching about in theology says that virtue lies in the middle, you know, the proper healthy mean between extremes. We're always looking for that in the spiritual life. You know, as you say that, what what comes to mind is that anecdote of St. Teresa of Avila, of the sister who said to her mother, I'm Whenever I try to pray, I keep falling asleep. I just always fall asleep. I'm struggling. I'm not able to pray. What should I do? Sleep more. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right. it, it's that same principle that wise attention to the needs of all of our humanity will bless us in living the spiritual life. Very much so. Now, even though we've made this distinction on the other side of the coin, uh, even though we've made the distinction between non-spiritual and spiritual desolation, finally, we don't need to push it too much because generally the two will go together. Very often, what will happen is that an experience of non-spiritual desolation, as is true of consolation on the other side of things, will become sort of the seedbed or the ground out of which an experience of spiritual desolation can come. You see, for example, as Alice is struggling to get involved in her new parish and feels some discouragement, we're probably describing some non-spiritual desolation there, she begins not a struggle in prayer and in her relationship with the Lord. So that will often be the pattern. The two will generally go together. Mm-hmm. However, the distinction will matter at some points. So getting close to the text now, the fourth is of spiritual desolation. And Ignatius says, I call desolation all the contrary of the third rule, which tells us that we could stop at this point and we could write almost the text of the fourth rule by simply looking at the third in which ignatius describes experiences of spiritual consolation and just writing the opposite if consolation is an increase of faith hope and charity desolation will be a decrease of the same if consolation is interior joy desolation will be a kind of an interior sadness and so on and that's basically what ignatius does And what he does, again, doesn't define spiritual desolation. He simply says, here's an experience of it, here's another, here's another, here's another, until we get a good feel for it, so that, in terms of the big three again, when we are experiencing times of spiritual desolation, we'll be able to be aware of them, understand them, that is, name them, and then wisely reject them. So, he says, for example, darkness of soul. There's times when we can't get it figured out. We're confused. Nothing makes sense anymore in the spiritual life. With that kind of a heavy feeling that things are going badly and likely to get worse, but I can't find my way out of it. A disturbance in the soul. The peace is gone. There's trouble. There's heaviness. I try to pray, but I'm always anxious. I'm always troubled. I can't really find peace in the Lord. I go down to church for the Bible study, but the delight I used to feel now is not there anymore. And there's just a kind of trouble or disturbance in my soul. And movement to low and earthly things. When we talked about spiritual consolation, remember that the movement there was an upward movement, a call and attraction toward heavenly things and the things of salvation, Ignatius says, prayer and the blessed sacrament and the service of the Lord and so on. Here's exactly the opposite. I'm alone in my room, 9 o'clock at the end of the day. Things didn't go quite so well this afternoon in the way they would have wished, maybe in family relationships or at work. And there's a kind of a grayness floating around in my heart right now. And this is normally the time when I give maybe some 10 minutes, 15 minutes to prayer, spiritual reading as the day is ending. But now I feel no desire for that. I don't feel God's closeness. There's a heaviness in my heart. Obviously, what I'm describing is spiritual desolation. Mm -hmm. And there, just a few inches away from my hand on the desk, is the mouse. And everything in me now would just like to just let the prayer go and reach out and begin to click. And one click becomes 50, becomes 100, and leads me where I never wanted to go. These are the times when we begin to want various gratifications of the flesh in various ways or memories of things like this in the past in our lives. These are the times when we head to the refrigerator, if I may say it reverently, for the second and third time or flop in front of the TV with the remote control and begin going through channels and get up two hours later. There is a pull toward low and earthly things, Ignatius says, in the time of spiritual desolation. And you know if you if we watch this, it's striking to see how exactly contrary it will be, as Ignatius tells us, to spiritual consolation. Maybe there were things in my life at one time of this kind, what Ignatius calls low and earthly things. And then something changed in my life, and I've put those aside. and, and they're not not only are they not attractive to me anymore, but they're distasteful to me. But here in the time of spiritual desolation, there the pole will be again, the memories and the pole. I think it's so obvious once we say this, why it's so important for us to be aware, to understand, to be able to name what's going on as spiritual desolation and a work of the enemy to be firmly rejected.
0: Can I pose a a scenario for someone out there, going back to say, for example, the Bible study? They have been wanting to go, they've been receiving consolation in the beginning, and now it's not so much an interior heaviness, I don't want to go, but it may be a situation with a person. They are finding they don't like the instructor or that there is somebody in that room that is bothersome to them or challenges them or there's some type of exterior. How much of a validity is there to a feeling a heaviness because of the exteriors of that particular practice?
2: There can be many different exterior factors at work. What Ignatius is, is getting at in the rule is, what's going on in my own heart? Is there a heaviness in my heart on the spiritual level, on the level of my life of faith? And what Ignatius will say, as we'll see immediately in the next rule, is that when the answer to that is yes, that there is a heaviness in my heart, and it is on the level of my relationship with God and my spiritual life, this is not a time to make any changes. But let me get through that, and he'll describe to us how we do that until peace returns. And then that will be a time when I can look more wisely and fruitfully at any exterior factors that could be involved. It might be that another course might be more helpful for me. There, there can be all kinds of possibilities. But what Ignatius wants us to see is that when I am in spiritual desolation, is that is not a time to make decisions and changes of that kind. Let me first deal with the spiritual desolation, and then I'll see more clearly to look at the objective external factors which might be involved. And what we're going to find is that very often when we do get through the spiritual desolation and peace has returned, those things don't bother us so much anymore.
1: The fourth rule is of spiritual desolation. I call desolation all the contrary of the third rule, such as darkness of soul, disturbance in it, Movement to low and earthly things, disquiet from various agitations and temptations, moving to lack of confidence, without hope, without love, finding oneself totally slothful, tepid, sad, and as if separated from one's Creator and Lord. For just as consolation is contrary to desolation, in the same way the thoughts that come from consolation are contrary to the thoughts that come from desolation.
2: Movement to low and earthly things, without hope, without love, uh, lack of confidence. Here is a person who spends 20 minutes in prayer each morning and loves it. But the last several days have been difficult. And now she begins on this day. Five minutes into it, it's dry and difficult. Everything in her says the whole rest of this time of prayer is going to be just as dry and difficult as it is right now. That's that lack of hope, that lack of confidence that Ignatius describes as spiritual desolation. And I'm sure, as I say this, all of us can recognize times like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Finding oneself, Ignatius says, Totally slothful, tepid, and sad. Totally is a powerful word. Totally slothful, tepid, and sad. The Bible study, I love it. I've been going on Wednesday evenings for the last three years, and I never miss it. It blesses my week. It makes my prayer more rich throughout the week. But in the last several weeks, maybe I'm worried about something the situation of health or finances or something in the family. So what I'm describing there is non-spiritual desolation, just kind of an anxiety or worry about things. And maybe I've let that sort of seep into my prayer somewhat, and some of my prayer has slipped by the wayside, and some of the spiritual things have sort of kind of gotten marginalized. Mm -hmm. And I'm in a time of spiritual desolation, and now it's Wednesday afternoon, and I remember the Bible study this evening, and I feel, as Ignatius says, holy, totally slothful, tepid, sad. I just don't have any energy for it. I don't even want to go. Everything in me says I'm just going to call and say I can't make it today. That that kind of thing, the heaviness of heart. These would be experiences of spiritual desolation. Okay. And then finally, Ignatius says, we feel as if we are separated from our Creator and Lord. You remember Alice's experience. She wonders if she, she feels like she's abandoned by God. Now, Ignatius advisedly says, as if separated from one's Creator and Lord, as if, because it's not true. God is Emmanuel. I am with you always till the end of the age. But in the darkness and heaviness of spiritual desolation, that's the feeling. The feeling is that I am at some great distance from God.
0: And that's an unpleasant feeling too, for those who are experiencing it, isn't it, for the most part?
2: It's the worst part of spiritual desolation because our hearts are made for God as saint augustine says in that classic phrase of his that our hearts are restless until they rest in you and when our hearts don't feel god's closeness when we feel far from god that's the real sting of spiritual desolation that sense that you are alone the isolation that's the lie of desolation that will tell us that you are alone there's no one else spiritually speaking if anything's going to happen you have to do it on your own and you're too weak to do it. It's that That's the lie. That's the deepest lie of desolation, is the isolation, which is never true. That's why I love this teaching, because when setting captives free, when we can see and unmask the lie of desolation, our hearts begin to set free. If we believe the lie of desolation, we will be captives. It really will weigh heavily on our hearts, and all of us again. There's no shame in that, by the way. There is no saint who has not gone through this. We can all recognize that we've experienced that at times. Much can change when we begin to be aware, understand, and take spiritual action, in this case to reject the tactic of the enemy. Now, I'd like to refer again to the letter of St. Ignatius to Teresa de Hadal, in which he says to her that there are two lessons. He says, I will call your attention briefly to two lessons which our Lord usually gives or permits. He's speaking about spiritual consolation and spiritual desolation. Now that Ignatius would call spiritual consolation a lesson seems evident. In time of the joy of consolation, we do learn, we do grow, there's fruitfulness and progress. But that Ignatius would speak of spiritual desolation also as a lesson, which is a positive word, something is gained, may seem a little more surprising. It's our first indication in in Ignatius' vocabulary that there is a reason why a God who loves us will permit us to go through times of spiritual desolation, like Alice, that difficult year in the parish. This is our first indication in St. Ignatius' vocabulary that spiritual desolation also lies within God's providence. However, as Ignatius uh, makes very clear to us, one of these God gives, the other he permits. God gives spiritual consolation that is always and only a work of God's grace, a free gift of God. God never gives spiritual desolation. God permits the enemy to visit us with experiences of spiritual desolation. That's why we can say so clearly that God always calls us to reject spiritual desolation. That's the only appropriate response to what is always a work of the enemy, that sadness and heaviness in the spiritual life. It's a spirituality of hope. It's a call to freedom. And Ignatius points out to us that we are not always going to be in spiritual consolation. And so there's no shame also in not always being in spiritual consolation, but that God will give us that experience in the measure and at the times that his providence knows we need. And we can look back over our lives with great gratitude for the fruitfulness that has come through times of consolation in our lives.
0: Isn't the case, Father, that even in the scripture, St. Paul warns us about getting too attached to experiencing consolation all the time? And, of course, I'm kind of paraphrasing they, what when Paul is talking about the gifts of the Spirit, in particular the, uh, the Corinthians past. Also, there are saints who are, have written about just don't get so caught up in always having to have that that consolation, those, those feelings from the Lord. Don't base it on.
2: Yes, let's make a distinction between accepting God's loving work through spiritual consolation and grasping at it. The first is healthy and is exactly right. The second will cause problems for us if we are kind of insisting somehow upon that or or grasping at it in ways that don't allow us to serve God even when it's not there, that kind of thing. Uh,
0: For example, Mother Teresa, it has been brought forward since her canonization process that she was at a period that not always was it easy for her. She wasn't always feeling the warm fuzzies about everything that she was doing, but yet you continue to move forward even um, in those times when you're not necessarily receiving the, an abundant, overflowing bathing in what we understand as consolation.
2: It's a helpful question, Chris, because I'm sure many people have that question in mind. What Mother Teresa was experiencing, if you read the book, Come Be My Light, where where her experience is described, was the classic dark night in the sense that St. John of the Cross speaks about it. Now, the dark night is an experience of prayer. It's dry, it's painful, it's difficult, it's purifying, but it is an experience of prayer. And as always, God is the giver of all prayer. So that the dark night is from God, and since it's of God, the only appropriate response to it is to accept it and faithfully go through it, as Mother Teresa did. And the incredible fruitfulness of her life is a witness to the rightness of her spiritual response to that. Spiritual desolation is something different. It's just that sort of garden variety, everyday stuff that can go on in the spiritual life when we don't feel like praying, when there's a kind of a sadness in our spiritual life, when there's not much energy for it. And that is always a work of the enemy, and therefore always to be rejected. So they're very they're, they're different things.
0: Well, thank you for that distinction, because so I think this is how it's so confusing when we talk about the spiritual journey, but also in knowing, in living out, and using that discernment gift that we have to be able to know how to perc- go forward in that journey.
2: Yes, I, I would think most of us can a pretty. Um, Most of us can pretty accurately assume that the heaviness of heart that we feel is going to be spiritual desolation. If we feel that in our relationship with God, everyone goes through that. Only some are called to the dark night in that precise sense that Mother Teresa went through it. So for most of us, I think without hesitation, without fear, and with great hope, we can say... God is calling on me to resist and reject and overcome the spiritual desolation with his grace and spiritual wisdom so that I can go forward in his service. The final thing that Ignatius uh, deals with in this fourth rule is to advise us that when we are in spiritual consolation, which is a a happy, uplifting experience of the heart, certain thoughts will be born within us. Mm -hmm. And when we are in spiritual desolation, Other thoughts will be born and they'll be exactly the contrary, just as consolation and desolation are the contrary. So the man that we described, the 41-year-old man at Sunday Mass, with his heart warmed with a sense of God's closeness as he hears the homily and spiritual consolation and finds himself thinking about beginning the 10 minutes with prayer, uh, with scripture the next morning and speaking with his wife and arranging it. And then that night after the difficult table conversation at supper, now not feeling God's closeness with no energy for prayer, time of spiritual desolation, finding himself thinking, why should I bother? It's never going to work. We can see that the thoughts are exactly contrary. And so it's important to know that when thoughts arise in time of spiritual desolation, they are always to be rejected. What if this man in his room that night knows this teaching of St. Ignatius, can be aware something's going on spiritually, can understand it. This is the work of the enemy. Thoughts arising from spiritual desolation and can take action wisely. I have to reject this. I'm going to start tomorrow exactly as I planned. Captives are being set free.
0: Amen. Thank you, Father Gallagher.
2: My privilege is always.
0: You've been listening to The Discernment of Spirits Setting the Captives Free with Father Timothy Gallagher to hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation which is fully tax-deductible to help support our mission. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for The Discernment of Spirits, Setting the Captives Free with Father Timothy Gallagher.